Welcome to The Greenhouse Effect. Our hope is that this podcast would be like a greenhouse to help you get unstuck and grow in your full potential because life ought to be fully lived. You know, this is an exciting, I guess a fresh start, but even on this podcast, it's exciting to me because we just talked about what was last year like, and we've completed kind of our first year of this podcast, which is crazy. It is. It's a, it's amazing. It's been fun. Yeah. And yeah. then hopefully you all listened to um, this last episode where we just reached into the archives and pulled out goal setting for the non-goal setter, which was one of our early episodes, um, got a lot of listens, and we thought it'd just be helpful for people thinking about this year, 2020, and what, you know, what intentions you want to set out. Well, and it's it's been interesting because that method that we talked about in goal setting for the nine goal setter, I've just gone through that for my 2020 goals and actually reflected back at the same time on doing that in 2019. And I'd have to say for 2019, it's probably the most impactful year for goal setting ever hmm. for me. And I had that same type of optimism with with applying that method for 2020. So yeah. I, I feel even more strongly about how effective that is than probably when we did the original podcast. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And we've even rolled that methodology into how we did New Year planning, strategic planning for Greenhouse as a business. And same thing. I mean, I just wrapped up some of that work and it feels like it was so impactful on the personal side. I have the same story. It was, it made a big difference and I achieved a lot more of not necessarily the goals, but kind of what we talked about in the episode, the focus, right? the focus element of it. And so that, that was the same for me. Oh, well that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen to that. If you're still kind of lagging behind like most of us on New Year planning or goal setting, or even if you feel like that's just never been for you, I think this is a nice framework to help you just set out some intentions for 2020. But now we want to follow up on that and say, okay, what are some thoughts following that exercise that can help you um, to be focused this year, to be intentional uh, to be thoughtful, to live a more kind of fulfilling and impactful life this year. And so today we want to talk about this idea of urgent versus important, and specifically kind of the three major steps that will work you towards elevating the important, and we'll kind of dig into what we mean by that. Yeah, so I think it's a perfect complement to the whole goal setting, because it, it it now takes it a step deeper into how do you begin to make some of this work on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this idea is not original with me, as most ideas aren't original with me. I love to read and and, um, cannibalize from other people. So, (laughs) uh, So this is from Stephen Covey, and I can remember reading in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, many years, probably a couple decades ago, and coming upon this four quadrants that he spoke of uh, that talked about urgent versus important. And so he had these four quadrants of something that was both urgent and important, urgent 
and not important, not urgent, but important, and not urgent and not important. Uh-huh. And I can remember reading about those four quadrants. Uh, and maybe we could put those a little graphic of those in the show notes or something because it's it's pretty helpful. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, but I can remember reading that, and my first impression was, I know where this is going. Okay, quadrant uh, one which is something that is uh, both urgent and important, will be the most important one to operate in. And then two will be the second most important, three the third most, and and, uh, fourth the least important. So I I started reading, and I went, I already know where this is going. And so then I was totally (laughs) turned upside down Uh and surprised when he said, one is not the best quadrant to operate in, that two is actually the best quadrant, where you're actually dealing in what is important but not urgent. Mm -hmm. And it was a whole paradigm shift for me to think that we shouldn't be operating in a constant mode of urgency. So the the two-pronged difference of of separating out the concepts of what is urgent from what is important and then elevating and saying important is more important than urgent and operates in its best when it's not urgent was a totally different way of thinking about things. Yeah, it it starts to bring up all kinds of questions, even just as you describe it. And I know the one question we were really interested in is, you know, in today's culture, these words, even the words urgent and important, what do they mean? How do we interpret those? Right. And and that's one of the problems is that uh, I think in our culture, we've actually made the two words synonymous. You know, when people, th- I've got something important to do, they're almost saying it with that tone of voice, I've got something important to do, <laughs> as if this is something yeah. urgent, and urgent is the same thing as important. And if it's not urgent, well, how important could it be? Right. And so we've got that mixed up. And because that gets in our heads, it starts to affect the way we think and the way we act. I remember an early job where I actually walked into one of the first meetings at this company and everyone had their laptop up. And I quickly learned it was kind of like the unspoken norm. Yes. And no one said it verbally, but you quickly learned that in order to look important, you had to look like you were urgently answering so many emails that you couldn't keep up with. Right. And and you and I have done some consulting things together. And, and you can get into a group where it seems like the significance of what's being said is measured by the speed with which it's said. Right. You know, like if right. people speak really quickly, then it must be really important because we've got so much important things to do. Yeah. And that's that sense of urgency. So quadrant one, that quadrant where you're both urgent and important, I think it's better almost to give it a, a different name. It's actually operating in crisis mode. That's what urgent and important is. It's something that's that has to happen right now, and it's a big deal. It's a crisis. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, who wants to live their life going moment to moment, always operating in crisis mode? But that's the mode so many of us have gotten into as the norm 
by which we feel valuable and important. Right. You think about the advent of email and a lot of the things that are just daily norms in our lives now. And for all the good that they bring, they've also kind of created this environment where everything can be, quote unquote, a crisis. You can, yes. I can create a crisis for you in your inbox in order to get a quicker response. And so, you know, I think that it's subtly bled into the fabric of, of how we are being and, and, and we almost didn't even notice it crept in like that. Right. So you, you have this one choice of, are you going to operate constantly in crisis mode? Uh-huh. Is that the best way to make the most progress? Granted, there are times you have to operate in crisis mode. But if your life is defined by crisis mode, you don't, probably don't have much of a life. Right. Okay. So quadrant two, which is it's something that's important but not urgent, those are the most valuable things in life. So what would qualify in those categories are things like relationships. Mm-hmm. What would qualify in that uh, quadrant is things like planning, thinking reading, things that are important. They actually are, they're the stuff of growth. Yeah. Uh, They're the stuff of uh, heart and value. But they never operate in urgency. Yeah. We would never say, okay, we're going to have an incredible date night. We've got 15 minutes to do. (laughs) we got 15 minutes. And it's going to be incredible. That'd be a great show. Just force that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Or, you know, I've got five minutes to deal with the kids. Right. No, you know, you can't do relationships. And yet we do know in our heart that relationships and things like planning and thinking and strategizing, those things that you can't rush, are the most important things that actually move us ahead in life. Yeah. And so it's it's that quadrant too that's so critical that we actually have to start to shift our time in such a way that we spend less of our time in crisis mode and we spend more of our time in that quadrant two. Right, which is actually a really significant point because if you don't put intention toward this, most of us will likely end up with all our time filled with the urgent stuff. Yeah, well, we actually circle that quadrant two with stuff in one and three and four. So three is things that are urgent and not important. Mm-hmm. It's just getting those emails out that have to get, you know, that have to go out or fixing little, uh, you know, leaks here and there that are urgent. They're not moving anything forward. So that still makes us feel good yeah. that we're doing those things. And then because we're so exhausted from living in quadrant one and three, then all we can do is vegetate in front of a TV, right. which is quadrant four. Yeah. <laughs> Not urgent or important. Yeah. No, this is good. And I think I actually have proof because we were just talking at home last week about, you know, I have a three-year-old. She's not very physically affectionate. She doesn't really hug us a lot or anything. She loves she loves to be around us, but don't, yeah, you know she'll run right up to me when I come in the door <laughs> and not complete the interaction with a hug, you know. And and we realized a couple weekends ago she was super lovey and and affectionate and hugging and I love you, you know. And we we looked at each other like, what is different? And then we realized we had been spending more time kind of 
with her, like I'm motioning right now, eyes to eyes, you know? Right, yeah. She's playing Legos, so I can be on my phone because she's happy with the Legos, but instead kind of like disconnected from the phone and was doing the Legos with her. And just that little shift, right, it turned it into something that was, instead of getting distracted by that kind of urgent stuff like we're saying, it was the important stuff that you had to create the space for. It It was like it wasn't just going to naturally happen because there were so many things that I could be filling that space with. Well, I mean, that's, that's a great example. And, and even thinking about coming from last week's episode about the goal setting, you know, if you, if you ended up with two or three, mm-hmm. as we suggested of areas of focus that are, are critical to moving forward, my guess is none of those have a crisis aspect to them Hmm. yeah they're all important you know that that's what's going to make you a different person is is giving focus to those top two or three priorities and letting the other things happen naturally but unless you deal unless you learn to operate more in that quadrant two and give more focus to that then even with that, even with having those goals, you'll find yourself frustrated because you could never get yourself out of crisis mode. So good. As we're talking, I'm looking at our engineer here, Joe, who produces music and writes songs. And I'm just thinking, man, such a great example, right? You cannot do that kind of that kind of activity or work or produce that kind of meaningful output in a 20-minute chunk between meetings. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Creativity doesn't happen that way. Right. You know. Yeah. So that's good. There's kind of this quadrant where things are important but not urgent, and this is the one we want to lean into because, like you said, likely the things that are most important don't have that element of crisis in them. Right, which means they, they are easily crowded out unless you deal with it intentionally. So... One of the things that I think is important thinking through this is that if we're going to make progress in this area, we actually have to hit it from two different angles. We have to hit it from the angle of realizing that if our lives are overwhelmed by crisis mode, we need to look at that and figure out what are some steps that we can do to push the crisis out of the way. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at what the habits are or uh, patterns of your life that are creating this constant crisis mode. So you have to look at it from the crisis mode side and say, okay, I need to deal with people who are constantly harassing me with emails and figure out how do I get a little bit of that off my plate mm-hmm. to create some space. And then at the same time, operate from the sense of I need to look at my schedule and I need to begin by blocking in the important things first ahead. So the crisis has to fit in the gaps. Mm-hmm. We have to put those big rocks, the important things, the relationships, the planning, the strategizing in first and then say, all right, if I happen to have time to get to emails, I'll get to them. Right. It's almost like we need to force the urgent stuff to have to work harder. Exactly. Which it will. And we'll find out that many of the urgent things aren't really all that urgent. And they'll take care of themselves unless we allow them 
to occupy all the space. So we, we have to be pretty aggressive in saying, I care enough about this important stuff that I'm going to elevate it, I'm going to prioritize it, and I'm not going to allow the urgent to sabotage it. That's good. Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking about this kind of in steps. So if I want to go after this shift we're talking about, first thing is kind of attacking the overload of the urgent and looking at what's causing those crisis things. How can I start to weed some of that out or, or just even identifying what's going on? Absolutely. Uh, am I the problem? Am I the one that's creating persistent crisis right. in my life? Okay. And then kind of step two or, or thing number two is putting those big rocks, as we've called them before, putting the important stuff in first. So looking at the schedule or whatever it might be and trying to get to the important stuff before the urgent crowd's in. Yeah, and I would encourage being extremely tactical mm-hmm. on that front. You know, look at your calendar and literally schedule large chunks of time to do that which you have said in your life is important, including time with people, including time to plan and to think, whatever it takes. But unless you're very tactical to begin to force some of these changes in habits, there'll be good intentions gone astray. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this we could talk and we have talked whole podcast episodes about this yeah. piece, but it really is a game changer. It's very transformative to to say, okay, uh, and the way we tell people to do it is, you know, every week look at what are those more important, significant things. And then each day, try to get to that first before you get to anything else. Exactly. So it takes a lot of thought. So I guess the last point that I'd love to make relating to this is that what are the consequences if we don't do this? Mm-hmm. If we don't do this, what suffers is the quality of the important things in our life. So if if we're operating consistently in urgent mode, then with kind of each degree of that urgency, we lose a degree of the value of what's important. That is, we might still have a relationship with our kids, mm-hmm. but if those relationships are always operating in urgent mode, the quality of that relationship will be less. We can still do planning in 30 minutes' time, but the quality of that will be far different than if we gave a half day to the planning. Yeah. So what is lost if we don't deal with this is that the quality of that which is important to us will keep on getting degraded more and more until there's not much left. So the stakes in this are high. The work that hopefully many of you did in setting up some goals, a few priorities, whether you're successful at that or not will largely be dependent on your ability to wrangle the important over the urgent. Yeah, it's great food for thought. I mean, if you're really digging this, obviously you are, you're still here at the end of the episode. I would even encourage you to take it a step further. And instead of just prioritizing the important in a day, even try as best you can, everyone has different schedules, but try to get at that, that important thing 
Monday each week. You know, if Monday is the first day of the week for you, yeah, try to get at that thing Monday. This is something I've been trying recently, and it's like you're saying, huge returns already coming in because that's great. The rest of the week yeah. then feels like more open to breathe, and you know, you just think about how long it can take to ramp up or get into the flow state of important work or important, you know, activity or relationships. And you really do need to kind of block off those big chunks of time. Well, and then you create incredible momentum, you know, when you begin a week like that. I mean, that's a great practical step coming out of this is is to look as best as your schedule allows to put the important in right at the beginning of the week yeah, and to make that happen. Okay, but then what about if someone's listening thinking, you know, this is a newer thought to them or they're just they're just starting to think about this. What's the practical takeaway for them? Well, I'd actually uh suggest stepping back and doing a little reflection. Mhm. Take take a look at your schedule, take a look at even your emotions and determine to what degree you've fallen into the trap of operating consistently in crisis mode. To see, to the degree to which you've treated urgent and important as synonymous, you know, in your life, uh, and look at uh, the degree to which that is undermining that which you really care about and believe is important. So some brutal self-assessment, I think, is a good first step. Because I think that if you're like me, if you're like a lot of people, you'll realize this isn't the way I want to live. Mm -hmm. That's the seeds for change. All right, Steve, so it's your turn for book recommendation. Okay. Well, this is kind of an easy one because, like you said earlier, you know, I view us, us more as curators than originators, right? Like, we didn't exactly, come up yeah. with all these ideas, but we like to pull them together and make them practical for life. So, uh, like you mentioned, Stephen Covey, another person who has written on this topic is uh, Rory Vaden, and he has a book called Procrastinate on Purpose. And it's a really great book, very practical, that talks about this same idea of urgent versus important. And then he kind of dovetails that into a framework where you kind of work through this funnel where you can eliminate things, you can automate things, you can delegate things. At the very bottom, maybe you just need to procrastinate it, but on purpose, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so it goes through a framework of of how to live some of that out, but from the same standpoint as where we started here, which is let's try to get more of that important stuff back in our lives. Good. I haven't read that book yet, so I'm looking forward to that. It's a great title. As we mentioned in the last episode, everybody, you know, this year is definitely a big year for us as we've planned. And so we're just excited and we'll keep you updated about Tommy's first book coming out, which is called Breathe Again, uh, as well as the Greenhouse Method, which will have some tools in there for doing stuff like getting the important first in your life. Great. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe and come on, do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It'll help others find the show too.